Good morning, Heart and Soul. Good morning. Good morning to those of you who are at home or out in the world and who have taken the time to, to tune in. And thank you for coming in today. It's a beautiful day. And if I say so myself, it feels good in here right now. Yes? Yes. So look, you know that our theme is an adventure in faith. I wonder if we could, adventures, it's not an adventure because there are multiple adventures in faith that we are experiencing. And then our focus this year is trusting divine guidance. So last week we had our member gathering. So annually we have our annual meeting, which is the business meeting for uh, Heart and Soul as a nonprofit. But what we learned some years ago is that that wasn't enough time to do everything we wanted to do. And in fact, we were turning it, we, we were, had morphed it from being a business meeting to a gathering slash business meeting. And ultimately, we decided to separate those two. So one of the things that happened in the gathering, as, as Reverend Sonia noted, is that we were talking about giving and the importance of giving. And let me just say, if you are not stretching yourself to give, you're not expanding your life possibility, your life potentiality. You're not, you're not challenging yourself, much like if you had a personal trainer for your physical body to improve your agility, to improve your flexibility, to Im improve your dexterity. If, you, if they didn't challenge you, you wouldn't be getting your money's worth, and you would know that. Now, you wouldn't like the challenge necessarily, but you would begin to feel the benefit from the challenge. It would be all right if y'all saw me as your personal trainer. <laughs> it would be all right. In so many areas of our lives, we benefit from someone that is willing to tell us the truth. I understand that giving feels like, and let me just say that I've been church for a long time. And so I understand that some of you will get a little twitch. Your little eye will start twitching if I say give and then I put money with it. Well, I'm just going to challenge it and say give money. And it's because there is a benefit. There'd be no point in saying it. Now, I'm not saying that everybody who says that to you is aware of the benefit, but if you're not challenging yourself to give, you also are not providing the framework, the wherewithal for you to receive at the level that you're probably wanting to receive. The two are linked. I know we were not trained this as children, and so we're often trained to hold on tight as if your hand, if, you know, remember the stories of the golden seeds and that's cute and that's lovely. I mean, I, I, I don't even recall in the moment the moral of the story, but I remember it felt warm and fuzzy. It's just not good prosperity teaching because it doesn't include you in taking dominion and actively being engaged in a process that changes your life in the ways that you want it changed. Yes. Now, you can decide not to believe me. You can simply opt out and say, I don't believe that's true. I'm going to hang on to whatever I have. And let me just tell you to watch the people who choose to change. Because they will begin to see it open up in their lives. 
because what they've let go. Now, I'm not saying be foolish, but challenge yourself to give a little more. It could start as a dollar. It could start as 50 cents. Start wherever you can start and still sleep nights. <laughs> you, you see what I'm saying? And then challenge yourself to $1.50 and $2 and see what happens. But in our case, what we heard from Heart and Solars is, look, how about if we just give to you? We trust you, just we'll give to you, and then you do the outreach. And we used to do that. So I think they were drawing from an historical positive process. Because we said, just give to us, and then we, we have a team that looks for those local organizations, and then we look globally as well to see where can we make the kind of difference that is consistent with who we are and what we believe, our vision and mission and so forth. So I love that we are literally practicing trusting divine guidance. And so I also love that we turned on a dime. So that was Wednesday night. And on Sunday, we're like, okay, let's just remember what we said last week. We changed our mind. Do not start doing all of the little independent giving because the wisdom mind has spoken and we're trusting it. So here we go. Do you see how that works? Some of y'all think I make all the decisions. You don't even know I don't want to. I do not want to. Do not want that. That's not sustainable. I don't want to live in a world where I make it because mm -mm, no. Mm -mm. So this is more collaborative in that sense. So we listened, it makes sense, here we go. So look, we are, we are literally in giving from our, our okay. So we are literally um, encouraging, you, well we are, heart and soul, is committed to giving from our overflow. Kind of means we have to have an overflow. And we're asking you to give out of your overflow. And then together, we get the work done. Yes? Yes. All right. So look, we flow. I want to back up because if anything, I've been called a serial preacher and somehow that fits. So look, we, we've been looking at how we flow in consciousness. We know that we live our lives by right of consciousness, meaning whatever it is we're aware of, whatever it is we believe, whatever it is that we are, that we entertain most of the time, whatever we focus on. Does that make sense? Now that's different than what you tell people you spend your time doing in a lot of cases, in a lot of cases. But it's the actuality of your energetic presence how you have prepared yourself, what you're reading, what you're watching, what you are consuming, both physically, because this is true on every level, mental, emotional, spiritual, physical. So it's just like your body reflects beautifully what you've been eating. Your skin tells the story. Oh, oh, now I'm meddling, right? Oh, okay. Yeah, it does. It, it tells it all. It does. Your hair will tell the, the secrets. Your skin will tell the secrets. Certainly your gut is telling all your little business. So it, it, at the physical level, we know that this is true. And if we don't, it doesn't take but a, a quick second for us to get on board that it all is evident in how we are. 
And it is true also at the mental, emotional, and spiritual level also. So when we find ourselves kind of cowering, where we have pulled in, where we are feeling victimized, where we're afraid to, to connect and be in the world, there is something that's going on. It's where we have opted out of life in a sense, where life is, is happening to us and we feel offended, we feel put upon. We feel like we don't have the dominion. It's not true though. It is true for the one who believes it. Why? Because it is done unto us as we believe, while we are believing that. Now, in that moment that we're believing that we're unworthy, you know, we got the call, we got the mail, we got the look. Sometimes we are so incorrectly perceptive that we think people are looking at, us, looking at us in a way delivering divine messages to us. And it's not true. If we dig further, we know those people didn't even see us. All they're doing is looking. You, you understand what I'm saying? So sometimes our, our response is, is are exaggerated and, and uh, kind of overkill response is one that is incorrect. It's not based on anything true at all. It is an inner working. It's a sense of non-deservability that was then triggered by what you thought somebody else was doing or saying or being. I hope this is making sense because I'm wanting, I'm wanting to, to kind of loosen us up. I'm wanting, because in this particular state of being, it's hardened. You know, it's kind of gelled our sense of who we are and how we are. And I'm hoping that by the things that I am saying and the way that we are experiencing this together, no matter where you are right now, that you, it, it's kind of chipping away some of that, some of that sense, like maybe you would begin to question where the, the prior thought was, I don't deserve this good. And I don't think there's a one of us who hasn't been at some point where something was offered or we thought something was coming and we began to doubt that we were worthy of whatever we thought was coming. Now, to our credit, we often clean that up right away. But sometimes not so fast. Sometimes we kind of baked in it. Sometimes we kind of simmered ourselves in that, in that negative sense of where we are, where we were, and how things were working. We, we lost touch with the truth of how life gets to be the way it does. It gets to be the way it is out of how we be, what we believe, how we believe, what we trust in, what we know, not what we say we know, but what we really know. Sometimes I think if we wake you up out of a, out of a sound sleep and ask you, who are you? Whose are you? What would you say then? Not where you have your full capacity to make it up. Not where you have your full capacity to quote what you heard last, but where you really just let go and say, I want you listening to that so you know where your work is. It's nothing to be embarrassed or ashamed about. It is simply a way, it's, 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 the, it's a uh, thermometer. It's, a, it's, a, it's your blood pressure cuff. 
You know, it's telling you in the moment. It doesn't mean that after you meditate, it's going to be the same. It doesn't mean that after you change your mind, after you write your affirmations, after you journal, after you do your mirror work, it doesn't mean that all of that, those activities, that investment in you can then shift the needle in very positive ways. I'm hoping this is making sense. What I think I'm doing here, my intention here, I may be missing the mark, is to kind of chip away at any solidness of any sense of being a victim. And I don't mean a victim where you wear the sign victim, but where you, it's insidious in a sense. It's, it's that, that sense of victim. Something is being done to you. I, I want to shake that up a little bit. I want to chip away any place where that has gelled or hardened or formed in any way that is not, that is not beneficial. And I want to remind you what Ernest Holmes says. He says that the mind principle around you is, you know what I'm going to do? If you just bring me my mouse out of my bag, and I'm going to quit pretending like this is going to start working, it probably just needs a battery or to be charged, or something. I don't know what it needs, but I know what to do. Oh. Oh. Just a second. See, y'all thought this happened magically. It doesn't. Not a bit. This is not going to be my favorite. I see that right now. Okay. So Ernest Holmes is saying that the mind principle around us is reactive to our thought. You know, I almost feel, there's a part of me that feels like I ought to just stand here and keep saying this. Just over and over and finally, you know, a few people at a time would start repeating it with me, and pretty soon we'd have a full chorus. And if we did that for about a half hour, it would be in our spirit. My sense is we got to know this. We have to know that the creative principle, the all in all, the thing that is happening in our lives that brings about the change that what we think we're praying for, what we're visioning for, what, what that vision board is up for, what we're, what we're journaling about, what we have a prayer partner for, and we're seeing a practitioner around. All of those things are reactive to our thought. So until that changes, can I pause? Can I just press pause right here for just a second and give the commercial? September 16th, we start the course Change your thinking. Guess what? Change. Change your life. And we teach the classes because even if you come every Sunday, you come early and you stay late, you still are just scratching the surface. That's not how learning happens. What I think I'm doing is kind of awakening. Awakening in a sense that there's a little interest. And you go, oh, I heard that before. I have a book about that. You, you make connections. So you have a little bit of that, and then you go to brunch. <laughs> and God knows what comes up at brunch and where you move on from there. And it might not be until you're, you're in that same seat 
and I say something, you go, oh, that's right, that book. <laughs> and then we, we repeat the cycle, so to speak. Possibly. And I know y'all are way more conscientious than that, but you got cousins <laughs> who could benefit from this level of conscientiousness where taking a class could be of benefit because you're, you're in there. The class is, what is it, two and a half hours? Is it a two-hour class? Somebody help me. 10 to 12.30. So it's two and a half hours. So you get to seep in it. You get to seep in it. You'll have then the, the syllabus, so you'll have the, you can go back to it. There'll be assignments that help you to, to cut a groove in your thinking, in your believing, in your living, in your being. Why? Because divine principle, the all in all creative mind is responsive to your thinking. So you got to catch it at the beginning. Catch the thoughts and be adept at changing the way we're thinking. Its chief characteristic is its susceptibility to impressions from you in your life. And it's done as according to what you believe. So all that lotto thinking, unless you really have changed your belief and you have a lotto winning consciousness, you just think in lotto, which is not the same. Does this make sense? They're like so many levels. It receives the slightest vibration of thought and acts on. The vibration of thought, not just the thought, it's the vibration of thought. Have you thought that enough and at a level where it has a vibratory pattern that is consistent with the outcome that you desire? That's what we're working with. I hope this is making sense. I'm doing my best to, to kind of tease out these ideas that the great secret of success, Neville says, is to focus the attention on the feeling of the wish fulfilled without permitting any distraction whatsoever. Focus it. See, some of us, the training is in focusing. Some of us, to be in the class is to practice in such a way that we train ourselves to be able to focus. Because see, right now, a number of things are happening. You are curious about who that is sitting next to you or behind you. And you know what I'm saying? There are all kinds of things that are going on. I know it. I'm human. I know that that's what's up. Who did she start wearing her hair like? I didn't know that was her. And just think, what? I haven't. All of that is present. And whatever I said for that period of time is just, that's gone. That's entirely missed. And it's okay, it's just for you to be aware that if you want the benefit, if you want the outcome that comes from focusing, then you're gonna have to learn to focus. And for many of us, we were never taught to focus. Some of us think that this, what do we call it? There's a whole idea of doing multiple things at the same time. What is that called? Multitasking. This is what I was just thinking of. Somebody said, what, how does the thing go, Jack of all trades, master of none? 
That's what it is. So you're just doing a bunch of stuff. And I'm not saying you're not getting some stuff done. You're getting it checked off. It's not your best work, though. It's not your best work. There's no way it could be. You haven't focused on it. And your best work is what you want to bring to this. Because what? You want the best outcome. I know you thought you could cut a deal. This ain't a deal cut thing. It is going to reflect in like kind. Ooh, this is good stuff. But look, there's a way to do this because Malcolm, Malcolm Gladwell reminds us that it's 10,000 hours. So when you say, well, how do I focus? You're going to have to do 10,000 hours. And that's just, ooh. And then someone says, well, how do you count the 10,000? If you work on it 80 hours a week for 48 weeks a year, so you took four weeks off, 48 weeks a year, you reach the 10,000 hour mark after a little more than two and a half years. This is why we say classes. This is why we offer classes. Because you know the folks who are, are, take, are offering the classes, who are facilitating the classes, have taken them. They already got the stuff. But I have to tell you, sometimes we got to beat people off with sticks almost because they want to teach it, not because they don't know it, because they're getting it 10,000 hours additional. They're trying to up it to 50,000 hours. You see what I'm saying? Because 10,000 hours gets you in the game. But if you want to really play, if you want to play full out, that's just the start of it. So how are you going to get 10,000 hours? You're going to have to start and be consistent. Start someplace. I suggest right now, take whatever classes, read whatever books, assign some time that is not negotiable. Some time for your spiritual practice that is not negotiable, where you allow your hours. You're gaining your hours. You're checking this thing off. You're doing your work, yes? That's why I mentioned that. And I'm going to keep bringing you the 10,000 hours. Why? Because it absolutely works. When you look in your life, when I look in my life of those things that I do, what I really like speaking, I never thought this is what I'd be doing here in this, you know, in this particular, I didn't think I'd be a minister. I knew I'd be talking because that's what I have always done. <laughs> and many of you know, because I've shared with you that I stuttered as a youngster. And even stuttering, when it was time to share. <laughs> and when I was chosen, the class, there'd be a collective groan. And if you think that stopped me, you are mistaken. I'd get right up there and they'd be like, oh God, no, not her. <laughs> no, not her. And I would just wait for them to give me their attention because I knew pretty soon they'd get, I'm not sitting down till we, like, we may as well start. <laughs> And then I'd start that. And I don't know where I got that, but when I think about it, I just think you were supposed to be up talking to people. Evidently, no matter how. So when you have to, when you have to step over that hurdle, <laughs> then you just go be up talking in front of people. I didn't know it would be on Sunday mornings and all the other stuff, and I'm working all that out. But I did know that I would be teaching and I'd be supporting because it's just my nature. And so I have no idea how many hours, but I can tell you I've done task, time on task. 
And that's what that's about. It's time on task. What's the outcome you want? Are you putting in the work? Are you putting in the focused attention on what you desire? And you'll see in your life the people who have are doing it. So look, there's something about, about the strength in that. Ernest Holmes says, when we get rid of all of our misconceived ideas of illness and disease, and I'm going to add poverty, all, all ideas of the necessity of anything being wrong with us, then the power which creates and sustains all of life will once again bow through our whole being with a strength and a vital purpose which cannot be resisted by the undesirable condition that now exists. Some of y'all give the power to the wrong team. Y'all are putting the, the power, you're, the, you, you're imagining the power and strength on what you don't want, on the prognosis, on the fear of the, of, of the epidemic or whatever it is, or the, that the check isn't going to come. You are putting your attention on the check not coming, not seeing the, the statement with the deposit on the record. Come on now. What's, what's, in, what's playing on your inner screen? That's up to you. You don't control the bank and don't meet me after and tell me about the systems of banking and how they hold it. Don't tell me none of that. Because I understand the power of mind. And if you are focusing on that deposit hitting your account without any question, without, without any, what is this wiggle room for it? Well, you just know it. You know it. So look at little kids. When they know it, they just go right over there to get it. And they like surprised it's not there yet. Where the, where the Barbie at? Well, we didn't get that. We didn't get it. Like I already saw it. <laughs> you know, how, how, when are you going to catch up with me? And that's where you want to be, seeing it so completely that you are shocked that the thing hadn't happened. That you, you don't care about the systems and the, the timeline, and I, I don't need to hear your rules, Miss Tella at the bank, because I'm working with something else. So we're not being rude to people, but you know, doctor, technician, I don't need to know all that. Usually, you know, I suggest, I'm, I'm not saying that you be, what is this, adversarial. I'm not suggesting that you go places and be adversarial. I'm not suggesting that you get nobody told nowhere. No way. That's not what I'm suggesting. I'm suggesting you know what you know. And if you must make an appointment for some medical support, yes? Yeah. I'm saying medical because, you know, it's not all health care. I'm just, you know, defining terms. So if you need to have that doctor's appointment, take somebody. Let them be your note taker. Let them be the one that listens and all of that because you stay focused on healing. You stay focused with your picture. Most of us are not at the level where we can hold a thought of health and well-being in a doctor's office because that's not usually what they're talking about. So in order for you to hold that, you have somebody else that you know, I don't have to listen right now. 
They're taking notes. They're getting the main thing. I'm seeing me whole, perfect, and complete. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, doctor. Yes. But I'm seeing mm-hmm, that. Uh-huh. That's going to be gone. Yes, I see all that. And they do what they do. And it's important to have the consult. I'm not suggesting that you not go. But I'm suggesting you set yourself up for success. And you define success. What's success? Wellness, health, and well-being. And you don't even have to have the detail around that. You can simply, your mantra can be health and well-being. Health and well-being. And so while they talk, you are saying what? Exactly. Is this making sense? Is there any question about that? For real, for real. Is there any question about this? Because this, I'm, I, I'm not, there's no disrespect for the medical field. But it wouldn't, I mean no offense when I say the medical field is not adept at healthcare. I believe it was at one time, but they're doing something else now of their own necessity, kind of the way that's been set up. They're doing what they're doing. And a lot of that we need and we must interact with. But you're responsible for your life. They aren't. Some of the folks that we are turning over our healthcare responsibility to, we don't even know their name. And they don't know yours. And so who has responsibility? The one with the health. And it's yours to affirm health and well-being as a mantra. So putting the power and attention and focus 10,000 hours, you can't go a moment not affirming health and well-being if that's a place for you. You know what I mean? A place, an opportunity. So look, he also says, when we are so bogged down, it is a difficult task to develop the courage we need to withdraw from the midst of our confusion and retreat to the peace and security of the solitude within. He's saying you can't afford to let yourself get so bogged down that you can't even develop the courage required. Yes? What is our affirmation? What is our affirmation for August for courage? Strength, I have tweaked it here, strength, courage, and wisdom. See, the wisdom is what Ernest Holmes is, is supporting us in. It's the knowledge. I'm doing my best to fan the flame of that, offering some Neville and such, reminding you of what you know to be a catalyst to your own wisdom, to awaken it. Strength, affirm with me, please. Strength, courage, and wisdom are my divine birthright, and I am now expressing my true self. Thank you, Takia. Thank you, Valerie Joy. Thank you. Thank you. There's a part of the lyric that says, but I've been too afraid to make a choice because I'm scared of the things that I might be missing, running too fast to stop and listen. Some of us are blessed that they didn't put our picture by it, right? That's our little photo on how we do that. Not make the choice for the higher and highest and best because we're afraid that we might miss out on something. Opting for the lesser 
just to stay engaged. I think we do that in terms of, of our commitment to service. For August 22nd, Dr. Daniel L. Morgan offers us his, his essay, Insights on the Mandate to Serve. And this probably stood out for me because of our Wednesday meeting and on the fifth Sunday, which wasn't that long ago, we were focused on sacred service and acknowledging the folks who are giving of themselves in all of the ways that are so beneficial to, to heart and soul. So what Dr. Dan says in this, this um, I keep, for, forgive me, my, the, the way I, I, my relationship with words, but there is a sentence that's up on the screen right now. That is one sentence. <laughs> one sentence. And I have to tell you, it is, it, it's so jam-packed that I almost had to lay down on the floor in reading it because, watch this, he says, miracles we could help to work in this harassed world stand around waiting to happen. Miracles, what we're praying for, what we're hoping for, what we're living for, are hanging around, he said, standing around waiting to happen. Because they can't just happen on their own. We have to engage. It needs our energy, our attention, our knowing, our belief. And so I'm picturing, because I can anthropomorphize anything, so I can certainly anthropomorphize a miracle. I'm picturing it just like, well, why am I here? Because they ain't going to do nothing to activate me. I'm present with the financial solution. I'm present to offer the abundance that could be happening right there. But they ain't doing nothing to activate it. They're not doing anything. They're not even engaging. At this level of health and well-being, the prayer, so that's why I'm here. I'm here. So that's just me being the miracle. It's like waiting for you. Because it says, when he says, he anthropomorphizes it, it's himself. He's saying it's knocking and ringing the bell. While how many of us trudge on through an existence, watch this, that gets duller by the hour. Go on with your dull selves. With your lives getting duller by the hour while you ignore the miracle that is lurking right there. You're like, not over here, it's saying to you. Simply because so much of it is so unspeakably selfish and insist on failure to serve. This is why it reminds me of that line, I've been too afraid to make a choice because I'm scared of the things I might be missing. What it means is that your focus is in the wrong place. Your fear is guiding your intention to focus. And so you're focused on what you're afraid of. You're afraid of the prognosis. You're afraid that the bank is going to tell you. You're afraid that your, your lover is going to whatever. You, you see, your fear is focusing. You're you letting it drive. But it's not taking you anywhere you really want to go. So the intention here 
is to focus otherwise. He says the kingdom of God is our business. But I'm going to talk to y'all right now. The kingdom of God is your business. It's yours or nobody's. I love that. He's saying that somebody has to like own it. If not you, who? But it didn't say I had to holler at y'all. <laughs> Every person who succeeds, Dr. Dan says, does so through luck. And the moment I saw that, that he said, does that through luck, I thought that's an acronym. I know it's an acronym. So for me, it's everyone who does it, everyone who is successful does it through love, through a sense of unity. You know, the second step in um, our spiritual mind treatment is unification. It's that sense of oneness with the divine, with this, this the all in all. It's this connector. It's about charity, a willingness to do something beyond yourself. It can't just be about you. And sometimes it's, what are you going to do with that amazing health and wellness? Okay, so once you're cured, then what? And if you, if you got a blank, that's probably what's holding you back. What are you going to, okay, so prosperity. Okay, so you get it, then what? If your answer is just about you, I got to tell you, it's not enough. It's not enough. What's your intention around the greater good? Because you're a part of the greater good, so you don't have to worry about whether you'll get some. Oh, this, I don't think y'all are with me with this. I don't know. Y'all look like you ain't gone too far now. Can we get another song? Y'all still? All right. All right. I'm a, yeah, right. <laughs> so look, all you have to do is cultivate what he says is a pleasing personality, which is about love, unity, charity, and knowing. That's what that pleasant personality is. Make yourself available when needed. You got to get in the game. You got to give, you have to serve, you have to share. Because if not, what are you saying about the all in all? You must be a reflection. We must be, I must be a reflection of that. And I, here's what I know. I'm not always a reflection of that. I can see an entire period in my life. There's a whole little place that I, God knows. I, I can't wait till I can say it was a decade ago. But unfortunately, it was way too recent. When I took my eye off the prize and just went into the fetal position and just kept thinking about that that had me feeling worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and all the stuff. And here's the thing, and then you rise up. It's a prodigal daughter moment. It's you just come to yourself and go, ooh, Lord, was that me? And then you run a distance to separate yourself from the possibility that that could happen in the next few moments again, yes? But the idea is that we shift and we, we sow seeds of kindness and good cheer and that we strive to obey the mandate to serve, render the most, oh shoot, this is, I don't know what's going on. With, okay, let me just stay here, look here. Dr. Dan offers this idea. He says very plainly, the height of life 
is the upward swing of God. Oh, Dr. Dan, come on now. We're just doing our best to get this. I love him as a writer. I love his mind, first of all. A brilliant teacher um, at Guidance Church of Religious Science in Los Angeles, out of which Michael Beckwith and Reverend Amon and Juanita Dunn and Reverend Nirvana came. All of it. He had just a stable of brilliant ministers into whom he poured his awareness. So he says to us, the height of life is the upward swing for God. Life at its best is a clear triangle. So I'm visual. So I said, well, let me just see how this thing plays out so I can really see it. One angle is the individual person. That's me. And you can say me as well. At the other angle are other persons. So that's the universal you, if you will. It's the not me, specifically. At the tip top is the infinite being God. He says, without the due development of each part of the triangle, no life can be complete. You have to work all of that. So it's the me, but it's the charity as well. I got to be attuned beyond me. Most of our parents, well, I can't speak for your parents, but mine wore us out. It can't just be about you. What else? Whatever little money you got, you were sharing it with something. You were putting some in church. You were donating to something. You were contributing. And if your life does not have that as a thread, if you haven't woven that in yet, it's not too late. It's not too late. So when you're at heart and soul or when you're tuned into heart and soul, I'm always offering that you can practice giving and serving and sharing and love and unity and charity. And you're knowing that this can happen at heart and soul. And it's also true, it can, you can do it elsewhere. As for me and my house, I tend to immediately pour in where it's being poured into me because I want to support that that is set up for me and folks like me, like me in the sense that they want to be free, like me in the sense that they want prosperity for the greater good of all. This is not about greed and selfishness. It's about what could we do? What could we, individually and collectively, what kind of difference could heart and soul make? Some of you know that we used to be over on 42nd Street. We had a huge place. And what is true about that place is that, you know, now I kind of, I, as I look back, a, a fair amount of it we were using for storage. We just had stuff that we could pull out. We had this whole variety of stuff, just like we were a theater company. So come summer school, we had all kind of stuff we could pull out. You know what I mean? So we had a lot of space that we were paying. They didn't say, now the space where you're storing stuff, you don't have to pay for that. <laughs> or you pay less. It was, it was very expensive. And so when, when, um, when, we, when COVID started, and it was shelter in place, and we could only have 10 people in the room at a time, it was very clear that it did not make sense to pay all we were paying to have 10 people come in there and tape the live stream. And so as good stewards, we started looking again in earnest, but we changed the requirements. Now we did not need as much space, and we needed to go then before the rent went up 
and before we were paying, we, and, you know, it was just losing money in that sense because we were not using the space. And so we found this. And we were just giving thanks because it was enough space. Now, some of you have a sense that, well, it does not have dedicated, well, there's a whole list of what, what it doesn't have dedicated because it's only as this much space plus there's some more. So you're right, it doesn't. And what it doesn't have dedicated space for youth and family or teens or, or uh, prayer and care or whatever's on your list. Choir, they don't have no dedicated space. And we used to have dedicated space. But I have to tell you, I don't know about y'all, but I grew up in a family of seven people. Mom, dad, five kids, one bathroom. You have any questions about how we getting ready to share here? One bathroom, five girls, mom, dad. I'm like, that's the model we're getting ready to use. So you're right, we do not have dedicated space, but we're getting ready to work it out because it doesn't mean that that's a no. It means you got to get in line. You, you might have to have a little schedule like we did because everybody had to get to school in the morning or work or something. And so you got the little schedule together. And if the schedule didn't work, you negotiated. We get ready to learn some skills. This little not dedicated space is going to teach us a lot. It's going to save our little selfish lives. But let me just tell you, I'm not afraid if there was the kind of cash flow that could support it, that we would, you see all the little vacancies around, that we would simply get an additional space next door. We could, the possibilities are infinite, but not without the resources. So you see how it works? I have a vision, but the vision requires funding. The vision requires that we be on the same page, that we share, that we know that we can do more. The vision is not going to work with people sitting in the corner with their, eye, with their arms crossed, believing that somebody else needs to do something to make a different way. So this little triangle, we, we work in this. It's about me, it's about you, it's about God. It's about our collective life and how we can do this together. Is that making sense? Yeah. All right. I was a little impassioned. I understand. I understand. So look, in Matthew 22 and 37, this is what Dr. Dan is sharing here. He says, he's just quoting that. Thou should love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy strength and with all thy mind and with all thy, and thy neighbor as thyself. So you're putting it all in that. You're committed to making a difference. And what are you doing in order to do that? You're trusting love. You're knowing that no one ever loses. What did uh, NDIRE say? I've been too afraid to make a choice because I'm scared of what I may be missing. But Ricky Byers says no one ever loses when one trusts love. For love is something that will not fail.